So today we're starting a new series uh, here to kind of kick off the year. It's called Unfiltered Faith. Um, What we're going to do is over the next four weeks, we're going to look at four different, actually just some Old Testament stories. We we spent a lot of time in the New Testament, which I I think probably we should, but the Old Testament is extremely valuable, especially for us as we see uh, different men and women of faith throughout really Old Testament history that, um, man, we can learn so many valuable lessons from. Uh, Today we're going to look at the story of Gideon. Raise your hand if you have heard Gideon story before. Read, read about Gideon. Um, when I was a kid, I don't know about you guys, like when I was a kid, um, we, we went to a few different churches um, from time to time. When I was with my mom anyway, we'd go to different churches. Sometimes I was like, just like a kid, like I was super bored um, sometimes as a kid. And I would grab the pew Bible because she liked to go to churches with pews and pew Bibles and hymnals, which is awesome. And I would always grab a pew Bible and look through there and I would find like the coolest stories. And Gideon was one of my stories and Samson was one of my stories. We're going to talk about both of those guys um, here in the next couple of weeks. And then I'd read like the maps in the back. That was about all I did in church. Um, So as we look at the story of Gideon today, um, just to kind of make this disclaimer, okay, as we read, especially Old Testament stories, y'all, this story and and really all the stories we're going to look at over the next four weeks, they're not necessarily stories that we just read to gain lessons of what to do in our faith. In fact, on the contrary, sometimes we actually read some of these stories and see these are things not to do, right? There there, there are mistakes that are made. And and let's be honest about this. Um, The reason we wanted to share these stories of unfiltered faith is because the Bible is very clear about the faith of men and women in history that nobody's faith is perfect, okay? And can can, can we just all agree in this room that that applies to us today as well? Right? That our faith, that your faith, my faith is not always pretty. It's not always clean cut. It doesn't always make a whole lot of sense. It doesn't always look the way that it should. Not to me, not to you, not to anyone else. That sometimes our faith is a little bit messy. But we have this sort of tendency as Christians to pretend that that's not true at times. To just act like, man, faith is always good. It's always perfect. And if I'm following Jesus, everything's fine. And I'm always doing well. And I'm always being obedient. But... That's just not the truth. We have this tendency to actually filter, filter our faith. The way that um, sometimes we filter our posts and our pictures, right, on Instagram or Facebook. Anybody do this? Don't raise your hand, but I know it's true that some of us in this room, as we make maybe posts about your life, you only share the wins and the good things, or sometimes you post pictures and you post pictures that don't exactly look the way that you really look. Let's be honest, okay? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at a few pictures of our staff here on the East Campus and see what I mean by filtering uh, pictures. The first one, this is Miss Jamie Corley. Now, look, Jamie's a lovely lady, but let's be honest, this is not exactly how she looks. And she sent me this picture going like, is this, she was kind of asking like, is this what you mean? She basically did like the airbrush filter on this. Now, raise your hand if you have seen a person post a picture online that was airbrushed and not really like, well, you saw the picture, like, okay, like that's, okay, you know, also, Back in the 80s and 90s, there was this thing called glamour shots. Um, Yeah. Um, Maybe some of y'all in this room, no judgment, nobody's throwing stones. I'm just saying. Maybe some of you in this room had pictures of yourself like on the mantle wearing the stonewashed jean jacket like with the permed out hair and you just look like a little different than you actually look, right? Because glamour shots were the original filtered shots, right? Just pictures that were just sort of airbrushed, just touched up a little bit, just didn't really look exactly the way you normally look. Jamie, by the way, is the only one who really followed my instructions. The rest of our staff didn't do exactly what I wanted. So let's go to the next one. This is uh, Andrea Hayes. Um, I don't know what filter that is, um, but 
that's just, I think that's the universal like sign language for cupcake. That's what that is. Like you just see a cupcake and you're excited about it. All right, go to the next one. This is uh, Brie Treadwell and her head just looks like a top or an ornament that you hang on a Christmas tree. Um, that's Brie is uh, one of our student pastors. Uh, go to the next one, please. This is actually my sister, Ashley Osborne. Um, and uh, she, you know what? I, she has a big mouth and I don't mean that like... <laughs> Ashley, if you see this later, I'm sorry. That is my sister. I love her. But that, yeah, anyway. But we do, you know, people, people feel to. That's uh, Scott England looking like a Muppet. He looks like the Muppet that does like the me, 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 like that Muppet. That's what he looks like. All right, next one. This is Michael Watterson. Michael Watterson in this picture, um, for some reason, wanted to filter himself to look like Sid the Sloth from Ice Age. Sid the Sloth, you know what I'm talking about? That's, that's Sid the Sloth. Uh, next one. Did anybody know who that is? That's Scott Moore. That is Pastor Scott Moore. Um, beautiful. He just, he, he wanted any filter with hair. That's all he wanted. And he got what he wanted. And so, and there, there's, there's two more. So show this next one. This is what I call the Kurt of Monte Cristo. Um, I actually have to use filters to have good facial hair because I don't naturally have good facial hair. And this last one I call the curse of Pastor Scott. That's what I call this one. Um, you guys are driving me crazy as the pastor of this church, and this is what is happening right now. I'm just kidding. Um, anyway, so look, sometimes just in our posts online, we take a little bit of liberty, right? And sometimes we make our lives or our pictures look a little different than they normally look. We just wanted to show that to be silly this morning. But the reality is, in our faith, we have a tendency to do this, to pretend that faith is always right, faith is always perfect. And Gideon is a great example of someone who shows us that it's just not, that there are messy parts of our stories, that there are messy parts of our everyday lives, of our families. Uh, man, family is messy. You don't have to say amen to that, but that's just true, right? Um, jobs are messy. Our relationships are messy with our, with our neighbors, with our friends. Finances are messy. Things just don't always play out the way we want them to. And we don't always respond in ways that are even becoming of Christians. All right. And I don't know if you came here this morning wanting that kind of reality check, but the truth is sometimes we don't act like Christians. And I just want to say this, that the Bible doesn't shy away from showing us that this is the reality for all men and women who are seeking to live a faithful life. And so we want to walk through these stories. Um, so here's what we're going to do as we look at Gideon's story. I just honestly, it's going to be pretty simple this morning. I'm going to give you six things because his story is just, it's just a story, okay? It's not necessarily like a, a perfectly laid out, like, you know, something that builds on itself and makes this grand point. It's just, we just see his story. We see what he does and what he doesn't do. And um, what I want to do is just give us six things that we can look at in Gideon's story that maybe will encourage you in your faith walk today to be able to move forward as we go into 2023. Because here's what I know, 2022 is done. 2023 is here. And maybe already within eight days of 2023, you're thinking, man, my faith doesn't look the way I want it to look. Anybody? Like my faith isn't where I want it to be. And it's not exactly what, and listen, you're in good company. Me either. I'll be honest with you. The first eight days of this year, I haven't loved I haven't loved and, I, and I've already kind of struggled in my heart and in my mind walking out my faith in Jesus. And so we need to be reminded from time to time what it looks like uh, to be faithful men and women. So um, six points that we're gonna look at, but before we do that, I wanna read um, just from Hebrews chapter 11. And it's up here on the screen. We'll just read it together. It says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. 
This is what the ancients were commended for. This is Hebrews 11 that kind of gives us a definition of faith, right? Being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we don't see. It's this idea that there is a foundation that we can stand on that is sure, that is right, that is good, right? And it is God and his promises. Gideon's actually mentioned in this chapter. He's mentioned real briefly in Hebrews chapter 11 as a man of faith, even though we see some ugly parts of his story. So here's the first lesson we learn from Gideon's life. Lesson number one is this, my perspective isn't always the truth. My perspective about things isn't always the truth. Here's where I get that. Um, Judges chapter six, let's read verses 13 through 16. It says this. It says, but sir, Gideon replied, after this, this, this angel of the Lord has talked to him and told him what he's about to do. He says, but sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. So the first lesson about faith is that my perspective isn't always the truth. Gideon had a perspective about who God was and what he was doing in the nation of Israel. His perspective was this. His nation is suffering under the hands of the Midianites. This is the period of the judges. It's just, honestly, y'all, the book of Judges, it's a crap show. That's what it is. It's just a lot of bad stuff happening all the time. There's a cycle in Judges where the Israelites follow the Lord for a minute, and then they, you know, fall into sin, fall into idolatry. God allows them to to be judged and taken over by some other nation, the Midianites being one of these in Gideon's case. And then finally, God would raise up a judge like Gideon, like Deborah, like Samson. He would raise up a judge, somebody to go and fight against that nation or whatever and kind of deliver them out of the hand of of whatever nation that was. So Gideon is looking at this just going, God, we're suffering right now. We're we're enslaved to these people. The Midianites, they're taking us over. Um, We have to hide from them. They're killing us. We're we're, we're in the promised land that you promised us, right? But, you know, when Joshua led us in, but we're not seeing all the things that you promised yet. His perspective is God is not here and he's not working and he's not with us. Gideon's perspective is not the truth. God has to come to Gideon and remind him, I am here, I am working, I am faithful, I am true to my word. I've been doing exactly, and by the way, part of what God means when he says he's true to his word is not just the blessing, but the curses as well, right? He told Israel, if you abandon me, you will suffer even in the land that I give you. And that's what they've done. That doesn't mean God's not working. The problem here is not God. The problem is not that God has changed, it's that they have changed. We don't get to determine what God's truth is. God gets to determine what God's truth is. Me and you, we don't have that right. And so when the angel comes, he says, I'm going to deliver you out of the hands of the Midianites. You know, Gideon's like, well, God, we're, we're you know, Midian's taking over, we're, we're, whatever. And then he's like, well, I'm going to use you. And Gideon, even then, he says, he's got an excuse about himself, right? I'm the, I'm the weakest in my clan, and my clan's the weakest in Israel. God's just like, stop it, Gideon. I'm not talking about your clan. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me and what I'm going to do to deliver my people, right? So guys, maybe the first lesson just for us this morning is simply to say, to think about our lives for a second, right? What is your perspective about something going on in your life right now? Something that's hard, something that doesn't make sense. Does your perspective line up with the truth of who God says he is and what he has done and what he will do? And if it doesn't, we need to surrender that over to him, to listen to his word and his 
truth. The second lesson that we learn is this, that doubt is normal. Quick caveat, this doesn't mean doubt is right or good. That's not what it means. But what it does mean, as we see as part of Gideon's story, is that doubt is just simply normal. Doubt is part of the faith walk that we all must kind of live out as we follow Jesus. We see this in Gideon's life. So verse 17, it says, Gideon replied, if I have now found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Isn't this crazy that like this, this angel of the Lord shows up to Gideon, starts talking to him, and then Gideon's like all of a sudden, his first thing he wants to do is just give me a sign that it's really you talking to me, right? He just needs a sign. He needs assurance. He, he's doubting that maybe this is really God and his will. He says, please do not go away until I come back, come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. So it's like God kind of just condescending to Gideon. He's like, okay, dude, like go do what you got to do and come back and we'll, we'll figure this out. So God's just waiting on Gideon. How good and gracious is God that he would wait on Gideon, even in his, his doubtfulness. So it says, uh, Gideon went in, he prepared a young goat and he came from, and, and from an ephah flower, he made bread without yeast, putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot. And he brought them out and offered them under the oak. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. With the tip of the staff that was in his hand, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire flared up from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, ah, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. So let's just say this again. This is not to say this is right, okay? Like I said, today's message is a little bit different because we're going to actually see some lessons that aren't necessarily good things, but I'm just saying this. Doubt is normal. If you find yourself from time to time struggling to believe that God really is who he says he is, that God can really do the things that he says he can do, understand this. We see examples of this throughout the Bible. Gideon is a prime example. Just a moment of, God, I don't really know. And God, in his graciousness, allows Gideon to even test him. Uh, there's actually another story if we skip down, and I'm not going to read this whole part, but verses 36 through 40, um, where Gideon, the, the more famous story where he offers the fleece, he says, all right, I'm going to put a fleece out, and God, if it's really you, make the fleece wet in the morning and the ground dry, and God does it. And he says, okay, well, if it's really you, make the, make the fleece dry in the morning and the ground wet, and, and God does that. So two different times, Gideon tests God because he's doubtful, and two different times God shows up, okay? God gives us a story like this just to remind us that even when we doubt, God is good, God is gracious, and God will come through according to his word. This is not that we should doubt God. It's not that we should test God. It's just that it does happen. Gideon did it. And even when we see that happening, the, the point of the story is not this is how you should respond to God. The point of the story is God is faithful, and God will do what he says he's going to do. Number three, faith begins with a correct view of God. Let me read verses 22 and 23. Faith begins with a correct view of God. It says this, when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, ah, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. And to this day it stands in Ophrah of the Abiezrites. All of our faith, your faith, my faith, the, the starting place, the foundation of a faith that pleases the Lord, that is able to, to walk in communion with him and in relationship with him is that we understand, kind of come to a realization of who God really is. 
Gideon clearly knew who God was, but even uh, he, and we're going to see this in just a second, that he was a man of idolatry, like he worshiped other gods. He, just like the rest of the Israelites, and Gideon's kind of a prototypical Israelite in the sense that his story really reflects the story of the nation of Israel at large, that they know God, they know who God is, but they often fall back into the old sins, their old ways. And so in this moment, Gideon just has a clear realization, God is before me. God is here. And when he realizes that, it's like he's just overcome with this humility, finally, right? It's like no more questions at this moment, no more doubts at this moment. I just know God is here. And he's just humbled by that fact. Our faith begins at that place when we see God more clearly for who he really is. This is why, and we talked about this last week, it's so important, y'all, for us to read his word every day to recenter, reorient our hearts and our minds back on him. Again, this goes back to the perspective thing, right? That your perspective, if you're not here, if you're not living in God's word, that your perspective is very quickly and very easily gonna be turned off of who God really is and what the truth of his word says. And so every day we gotta reorient ourselves so that our faith can grow from a place where God is the one telling us what's true. God is the one showing us who he is. And that's what happens with Gideon. Number four, Faith requires obedience. This is a lesson we learned from Gideon's story that faith requires obedience. Verses 25 and 26. That same night, listen to what God says. The Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole. These are the two chief gods of the Canaanites, the land in which the Israelites were living, Baal and Asherah. And they were often just drawn into, tempted by the, the, the temptation to commit idolatry, to worship Baal and to worship Asherah. And even Gideon was doing this. A man that God calls to be a judge for Israel, to deliver them out of the hands of the Midianites, is an idol worshiper. And so God says, here's what you need to do as an act of faith. You need to go and you need to tear these idol uh, altars down. He says, then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So he's like, go, go get a bull. And I want you to use that bull to kind of tear these idol altars down. And then using the wood from those altars, I want you to build a new altar to God. And I want you to actually take that bull and cut it up and offer it as an offering to God. Why? Because faith requires action. It requires obedience out of us. Guys, so many of us, we want to grow in our faith, but we don't want to be obedient to God. We want to grow in our faith. We want to experience God. We want to see what he's going to do in our lives. We want to look at 2023 and we make all these goals and we think about what God could do or what could be done in our lives and how we could grow and how we could advance in whatever way we want to advance ourselves or our stock or our finances or whatever that looks like for us. And yet we forsake simple obedience to God. This is not rocket science that he tells Gideon, is it? It's go break some stuff. That's it. That's the command. Go break some things and then build the altar back to me how it's supposed to be. What are some things in your life right now that you need to break, that you just need to get rid of, that you need to be done with? That's a hard question for 2023. As you, as you look forward in this year, what are some things last year that you know you just lived in disobedience to God in? What needs to be broken down? What needs to be changed? You want to grow in your faith this year? Take a step of obedience. Experiencing God is always through obedience. And, and Gideon does exactly what God tells him to do. Some of you just need to take that step of obedience 
today, this week, and in, in, in the upcoming weeks or months, you just need to take that one step. What is it? What is the obedience that God's calling you to? What is the one thing? Right now, as I say that, there's probably something in your mind, right? What is the thing that God's either calling you to stop doing because it needs to be stopped or to start doing it because you've, you've been disobedient or you've been lazy or you've been putting this thing off, you've been procrastinating about whatever it is he's calling you towards? Look, maybe for some of you, it's actually making a commitment to follow Jesus with your life. Maybe it's being baptized. I don't know how many adults there are in the church even today that just have always thought, you know what, uh, you know, I, I believe in Jesus, I want to follow Jesus, but I don't want to be baptized. I don't actually take that. You know, that's the first step of obedience as a Christian, to offer yourself in the water of baptism. That is a simple thing. And sometimes we need to take that step of obedience because that's what God's calling. And he, you can't really move forward in your faith until you've done that. Maybe it is to be in a group, or maybe it's get connected in the men's or women's ministries or some other ministry, or start serving here in the church, or start leading a devotion with your family. Pray with your kids. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do, share the gospel with your neighbor, with your coworker. Experiencing God is always on the other side of obedience, and that's how our faith grows. Number five, God will test your faith in order to strengthen your faith in him. God will test your faith in order to strengthen your faith in him. It's always about him. Let's make this clear, that our faith is always about God. It's always about God's glory. It's always about him being seen for who he is and for what he can do, and that we are able to, through our acts of obedience and the faith that we have in him, glorify him more. Everything God does, everything he does in your life, everything he does in my life, the reason you were created is to bring glory to God. And so he will test your faith as a way of glorifying himself. Here's the one of the most famous stories um, in the Old Testament, very famous story of Gideon is in chapter seven, verses one through seven. It says, early in the morning, Jerubel, that is Gideon, who's also called that, all of his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian uh, was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moray. And the Lord said to Gideon, listen to this, you have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands. In order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her, announce now to the people, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 men remained. Instantly, God whittles the army down from 32,000 to 10,000. Then God says this, but the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will sift them for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water and there the Lord said to him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues like a dog from those who kneel down and drink. 300 men lapped with their hands to their mouths. All the rest knelt down on their knees to drink. And so God whittled the army down from 32,000 to 300. God literally said to Gideon, here's the deal, Gideon, you have too many men to win this battle. That is completely backwards, right? Again, think about perspective. Your perspective is not always the truth. God's perspective is this battle ain't about you, Gideon. This battle ain't about the Israelites. This battle is not about who wins and who loses in the sense that when the battle's over that the Israelites will boast in themselves. This battle is about me, God, right? It's God's way of saying, I'm going to win the battle. I don't care if, it, if I use one person, right? And the way that God actually ends up winning the battle is basically he uses the Israelites, those 300 men to circle around the camp of Midian, throw 
throw them into confusion when they wake up in the middle of the night and they see the lights of the Israelites and they all start killing each other. That's what happens. Like Israel didn't even do anything. God just wins the battle over the Midianites himself using those 300 men because God loves to test our faith in order to grow our faith in him. The more God-centered your faith is, the stronger your faith will be. The more you-centered your faith is, the weaker it will be. If your faith is all about you and what you can do, then it's not really Christian faith. And it's weak and it's fragile and God wants to turn our faith from ourselves back on to him. Time and time again, we see this throughout scripture. I wish I had time just to read more stories of the way that God just shows up and proves that this is his hand, his power, his will, and not the power of man. And the sixth lesson from Gideon's story is just simply this, and this is maybe the hardest one. Your faith is only as good as your next choice. Your faith is only as good as your next choice. So at the end of Gideon's story, chapter 8, verse 24, it says this, after they win the battle, and he said, Gideon, this is Gideon talking, I do have one request, that each of you give me an earring from your share of the plunder. It was the custom of the Ishmaelites to wear gold earrings. They answered, we'll be glad to give you them. So they spread out a garment and each man threw a ring from his plunder onto it. The weight of the gold rings he asked for came to 1,700 shekels, not counting the ornaments, the pendants, the purple garments worn by the king of Midian or the chains that were on the camel's necks. Listen what happens. Gideon made the gold into an ephod, which he placed in Ophrah, his town. All Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there. And it became a snare to Gideon and his family. What did I tell you about his story? It ain't pretty. In fact, that's downright ugly. It's blasphemy. It's idolatry. It literally used the word prostituted themselves. That at the end of Gideon's story, after he sees God do an amazing, and all of Israel sees God do an amazing work in them to save them again, what is Gideon's last act as judge? He collects gold, he makes it into an idol, and they worship it. Our faith is only as strong as our next choice. Listen, some of us want to ride the faith experience that we've had maybe in 2022 or the way that we saw God work last week or last month or last year or 10 years ago or some experience we had of him in the past and the way that he has worked in our lives. We want to ride that kind of experience and that kind of faith into the next day and the next season and the next year of our lives, pretending that just because we obeyed God once and saw God do a thing, that that will take us through to the next thing and the next thing after that. But here's the reality. Obedience is a daily act of faith. Every day for us is a choice about whether or not we will obey God or turn from him. Every day is a choice for us. So I told you the message today is simple. I know it it feels a little like you're jumping around and kind of learning all these lessons, but that's what happens as you read Gideon's story. It's not pretty. And I hope that maybe one of those six lessons you're just able to look at and say, you know what, that's, that's kind of part of where I'm at. And I feel like that, that kind of speaks into my story. But I want to end it today by just reading a couple New Testament scriptures for us. Because here's what I know. I know that as Christians, man, we just struggle with that idea that maybe, and, and we even kind of wonder and we worry about this, that maybe I'm going to be like Gideon. Maybe I'm going to be this person that sees God work in such a great way or sees great victories in my life, but then I just kind of go back to the stuff that I used to do before. 
But here's the thing. We live on this side of the cross of Jesus Christ. Gideon lived a thousand years before Jesus and we live 2,000 years after Jesus. Like we know what Christ has done for us and we have another advantage over Gideon. Though he got to talk to an angel of the Lord one time, we get to read his word every day. God speaks to us clearly and consistently every day and we can learn about him and grow in him and our, our souls, our hearts are filled with his spirit, praise God, that Jesus purchased for us the opportunity to live in his presence by his Holy Spirit. Gideon had none of these things and we do as Christian people. And so I wanna read for you Philippians. This is Philippians chapter three. Here's what the Apostle Paul says, and I think Paul is just simply commenting exactly on the idea of what, what we're talking about through Gideon's story, this inconsistent faith that, that Paul is just saying this in uh, Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to start in verse 12. Paul says, not that I have already obtained all this, and he's talking about perfect faith, right? Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Here's what Paul's saying, that the Christian life, y'all, it's really not about can I be perfect all the time. It's not about is my faith clear and clean and, you know, filtered so that everybody just sees the good parts of me or that I'm always living out of being like that's none of that is the point. Paul's saying I haven't attained this. I haven't lived up to that. I'm not always perfect. This is the apostle Paul talking. He says, I'm not, I haven't gotten there yet, but here's what he says. I press on. I stand up and I keep going, even when I fall, even when I screw it up, even when I make mistakes, even when I do dumb stuff like Gideon did, or Samson did, or David did, or Peter did. Even when I make mistakes like this, we are able by the grace of God and his spirit that lives within us to stand up and press forward walking in faith in him because he has filled us with his spirit to sanctify us. And that's the word I want you walking out of here with today is the word sanctification. That God has not just saved you, he is sanctifying you. He is making you more like Jesus. So Paul just says, press on. I want to leave us with that today, just to press on. Scott is going to lead us in a song here in just a second, just one last song. And it's not really a song that we're going to sing along to. Um, it's, a, it's an original song that he has written, but it really just goes with our message today. Man, about just pursuing the Lord and being where we are. And wherever you're at today, here's, here's what I want to offer you over the next five minutes as we wrap up. It's just Scott sings and kind of leads us in a time of worship. I want to offer you an opportunity just to pray and just to ask God for 2023, God, would you sanctify me? Would you sanctify me? Would you make my faith consistent day by day? And even when it's not, would you help me to stand up and press on? One of the most beautiful things in the Christian life, something that I believe Satan hates and God loves, is perseverance. That even when we mess it up and it's not pretty, that we're able to just walk forward in Christ. And so during, while Scott sings, I'm going to be down here. 
And I wanna pray for you if you wanna come down and be prayed for. Um, And honestly, if there's anybody in this room that wants to stand up and come down here and offer yourself to be able able and and willing and available to pray for others, that you can come down here too. You can can do it right now. You can stand up and just walk down here. I want us to be a church, like Scott says, that prays. And maybe for, for 2023, your prayer right now just needs to be, God, just sanctify me. Just make me more like Jesus so that I can consistently walk in faith and not have to struggle through the inconsistencies. Sanctify us. So I'm going to hang out. Um, Anybody else that wants to come down and pray for anybody, you are welcome to. If you would like prayer, come on down or you can just stay in your seat.